Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. When it comes to local banks and local lenders, it's really about that relationship. And if you can actually provide them with the confidence that you can successfully take this deal down and operate it well. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Jay Belakar. Jay is joining us from Cincinnati, Ohio. He works as a full-time cybersecurity consultant and is primarily an active real estate investor, but also has one syndication as well. Jay's portfolio currently consists of 30 doors, and he'll soon be adding 95 additional doors by the end of this year as a JV partner. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you today? Thank you so much for having me, Ash. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Wonderful, man. It's our pleasure to have you here. And Jay, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. Basically, the way I got started in real estate was I was always fascinated by real estate. Did a lot of reading, bigger pockets, books like that, a lot of books that A lot of people have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the first one that got me started. But I had a travel job. I've always had an IT job and it kept me away from taking that leap of faith, if you will. And then COVID happened and I started working remotely. And right before that, I had invested in my first investment property, which also happened to be a very heavy lift down to the studs renovation. So it kind of worked out. I know COVID had a Big impact on many people's lives, but it was a blessing for me because I was able to take some time away and not having to travel and focus on real estate investments. And that's kind of how I got started. And after that first project turned out well, that confidence was definitely bolstered and I was just able to keep going deal after deal. Can you tell me about that first project? What was that? Absolutely. So the first project were essentially two fourplexes or two quads right next to each other in Cincinnati. And one thing that I was very confident about was where they were located. So they're very close to a neighborhood called Oakley in Cincinnati, which is more of a class A location, a lot of good restaurants, and a lot of millennials like to live in this area as well. And it's also right off of an interstate, so very close to downtown. So because I was kind of confident about the location, I've always heard from all the books and mentors 
one thing that you can go wrong about is location. That's one thing you cannot fix. You cannot force to appreciate an entire neighborhood and location. So it's like, okay, these two houses were extremely scary. These were on the MLS, by the way. And when I went to see these two quads, I saw a lot of people turning away. They were like, oh my God, this is just way too much knob and tube wiring and stuff like that. But I took a chance. I was like, okay, anything can be fixed. The inspection came to be relatively okay in terms of the structural aspect of it. I was like, okay, the buildings is structurally okay. Everything else will manage to fix. And of course, one of the lessons learned is always have a huge contingency on the rehab costs. That was my first major rehab and I had no idea how to estimate rehab costs. So what I had estimated versus what it ended up really costing was three times as much. But all in all, it was a fantastic learning experience. I think I had fortunately enough buffer to actually cover those additional expense in terms of rehab. And then I also ended up self-managing the property and I still do. And that was another next layer of learning, if you will, that once you have actually stabilized the property, how do you run it more efficiently, as efficiently as possible to keep those cash flows up? So it's been a great ride. That first deal was definitely one of my best ones. And Trey, you did this all on your own. You didn't have partners on this deal. That is correct. Yes. Can we dive into the numbers? Yeah. So this was purchased late 2019, early 2020 timeframe. We paid 400K for eight units, so 50 a door. And then we paid about 200K in renovations and about 20, 25K in holding costs. So all in, we were at about 625 for eight units. These properties were rented at 400 a door before the rehab because they were severely distressed. So it was significantly below market rents. And then once we fixed it all up, which was essentially all new exterior, roofing, soffits, fascia, decking, new framing, asphalt, retaining walls, and all new interior. So that was new plumbing, new electric, new floors, you name it, new everything, basically. We were able to get the rents from $400 to $1,000 average. So 2.5x rent increase. Initially, of course, when I did that, I had a good idea that I'll be able to push the rents, but I didn't know I would be able to push the rents so much. It was a blessing at the end that I was able to actually exceed my projections. That's great. And what are these two properties worth now? These are worth close to 800K. Okay. And the joint venture that you're working on now, can you tell us about Mm -hmm. that? Sure. There's a 32 unit that I'm working on with a partner I know through a real estate community and have been in touch with out-of-state investor. So my value proposition is to be boots on the ground, again, a deep value add project. So I'll be involved in overseeing the value add component of it. It's 32 units, mostly two bedrooms. And again, what we love about this deal is the location. It's in College Hill. Just a few years ago, College Hill was a bit of a dicey neighborhood, but things are really looking good. And a lot of new construction is appearing in all different areas of College Hill. So location and ability to push the rents post-renovation and then ending up with a nice renovated building that won't have a whole lot of problems in the next five to seven years. That's really our business plan. You're a GP on that 32 unit deal? Yes, I am. Are you investing capital as well? I am investing very little capital. So portion of the equity that I'm getting is in exchange for the sweat equity that I'm putting in. And a small portion is based on the cash that I'm putting in. 
And are you also bringing investors to this deal? We only have two more investors. Okay. And they're primarily putting in all the capital. Got it. And numbers on that deal? What's the purchase price? We are at 1.6 purchase, so 50 a door. We are roughly at about 10 a door for rehab, interior, exterior combined. So this is more of a cosmetic rehab than a true gut job renovation. There's no new plumbing or electrical required, but we are hoping to complete that project in 18 to 24 months, all of rehab, and then push the current rents, which are about 600 a door to 850 to 900 a door, which is what we are actually getting. So me and my partner, we both have other properties in College Hill and we are getting those rents. So at least we know that we can meet those comps. Seems like a great deal, Jay. How did you guys find this? This was off market. It came through a broker, but I think this individual who we got the deal from, his main business is a construction company. He does some brokering on the side and he has his network of investors he sends deals out to. So we got that deal from him. I live very close to College Hill. Immediately within the hour, I went and did swing by, took some pictures and I'm like, let's put an offer because time is everything. I'm sure if we didn't get back to him in a few hours, he would have sent it to somebody else and somebody else would have locked it up. How long was your due diligence on this project? Due diligence took a little longer than anticipated. I think we had asked for 21 days, but it took longer because it was a mom and pop seller. So the records were not all in orders. We had a lot of missing leases. So we had to get a stopel agreement signed. So all of that took a little bit longer. It almost took 45 days, but we are glad that the due diligence period is behind us now. And we are set to close in about 10 days time. Did your earnest money go hard immediately? No, it went hard after the DD period was done. Okay. But in some markets, uh, you have to do a hard EMD day one, at least in Cincinnati. It's not that crazy yet for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And so this is a typical GPLP structure with investors? Yes, it is GPLP structure, but being a JV, there is no preferred returns or hurdles, if you will. It's just a class A, class B equity and simple line split. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group 
to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. You work a full-time job. Are you back to traveling? I think I will be back to traveling very soon here. How do you manage gut rehabs with working a full-time IT job? It's definitely difficult and very stressful. So I'm not going to lie about that. And although the last couple of years of my investing journey have been the best couple of years of my life, at the same time, they've also been the most stressful years of my life. But if you're truly enjoying it, then it's fine. I'm okay with the stress. Initially, in the first few projects where we were doing smaller properties, I built my own teams of plumber, electrician, HVAC, GCs, and I was coordinating all the dependencies between them. I was hauling material myself and making sure materials are on site when they need it, stuff like that. But that was taking up way too much of my time. And at that point, it made sense because one, I got to learn a lot. I got to learn how much the material truly costs. So if tomorrow somebody tells me that plywood is $100 a sheet, I would know that they are BSing. So those aspects were some few aspects that I wanted to get a hang of. But going forward to manage 32, 65, or even bigger deals, I'm partnering up with, as a matter of fact, just last evening, I had a meeting with a GC firm. They have all trades in-house. And we are willing to pay them 5 to 10% in construction management fees for better efficiency, being able to source the materials at wholesale pricing and things like that. That way I can focus on investor relationships and finding deals and acquisitions. Okay. So you're the boots on the ground for this 32 unit acquisition. What's your role going to be? What does boots on the ground entail? Right. Now, given that I'm not the project manager on the rehab, I'm more of an oversight person. My role is going to be, if things are not going well, swing by every day and make sure they are going well in terms of the rehab. If things are going fairly well, swing by at least twice every week to still provide that oversight. That way, folks on the ground know that there is somebody, an owner, who is actually here keeping an eye on all the work. So that keeps everybody honest and on schedule, essentially. So that's my main role. But my role is not to get all the materials and literally be there for day-to-day management. So that's my role on the 32. Unit. Got it. Jay, a lot of people that work full-time jobs contemplate whether they should get started in real estate. And deep down, they may be making excuses. I'll wait for the next downturn, the next recession, or maybe I'll do this when I retire. What's your advice to that person who's on the fence, works a full-time job, and is thinking about investing in real estate? That's a great question, Ash. And I think there are multiple ways of investing in real estate. You could invest passively as a limited partner in a syndication, and that's almost as easy as investing in stocks or bonds, right? So it's very passive investment. So I would say if you're really worried about how much time it's going to take, and if you're a very busy professional, then that's a good way to start. But for me, because real estate always fascinated me and the operations and the ins and outs of it fascinated me more than just cash flows or the money, I wanted to be active investor. And if you want to be active investor, and if you're just waiting to take that plunge, I think it's really taking the chance on yourself to understanding how big of motivation you have. What are you really investing in real estate for? 
for me, again, like I said, it was not just the money and cash flows, but it was really freedom of time, having control over my schedule rather than being stuck in Zoom calls every day. And even if my wife brings me lunch, I can't eat it because I'm on a Zoom call. I didn't want to live that life for the next 30 years. So that was my motivation, having freedom of location and really trying to build a life that you don't need a vacation from. That was the end goal. And if that means having to compromise and downsize for a couple of years, that was a choice that me and my wife made collectively. And I'm so glad we did it. So I think it's really, truly understanding what your motivation is. Can you talk more about the compromises? Because a lot of this sounds very appealing, freedom of time, freedom of location, but at what price? This is what often doesn't get discussed is we see all of these successful people, the cars, the boats, the lifestyle that they live, but there's a price that a lot of us pay early on. And you're paying that now. I mean, you're working full-time, you've got your plate full with real estate. So give people a little bit of that struggle, just so it's a true depiction of what it's like starting out in real estate. Absolutely. So I think the struggle is in two fronts. Sometimes, of course, if you're flushed with cash, then on the financial side, you might not struggle. But most people are starting out just as I am, and you don't have unlimited capital behind you. And the other aspect is time. And that's probably the bigger struggle. Time management becomes crucial when you're trying to juggle multiple different things. And especially if you already have family and kids, it becomes even more crucial. So I think the biggest challenge has been time management, being able to time block and block time evenings and weekends so that all of these things like reviewing operating agreements and leases and doing your due diligence, all of that is done correctly and properly. And when you're starting out, you don't really have a team. It's all on you. And if you miss one thing, you might get penalized for it pretty heavily. You miss something on that deal. So I think one aspect is time and being able to compromise on your free time, on your Netflix time, and dedicating that time to real estate. That willingness has to be there. And number two, I think if you're willing to compromise a little bit in terms of how you're spending your money or your lifestyle, that can help propel your real estate journey as well. Because we used to live in a single family home in a suburb, and we definitely had way more room than we needed. It was a very comfortable lifestyle, but we made a choice that we'll sell this house, get all the capital out and invest in investment real estate. And we are now house hacking in a four family. Now, going from a relatively big single family home with a yard to sharing walls with people, it is a compromise. I won't lie about that. But again, it's really about what your end goal is. And are you willing to do really anything to get there? And truly, it's not even like I'm not living on the streets. It's still a pretty comfortable lifestyle. But you have to be willing to give away some of the creature comforts of your life maybe sell that BMW you have and get a Corolla hybrid, save money on gas and stuff like that. Cut down your liability, get rid of your expensive watches that you bought when you immediately got a job and started getting those paychecks. That has happened to me. I was just always looking for stuff to buy, but now we just passed Black Friday. I didn't even open a deal site or nothing because I know I don't want to buy any more materialistic stuff and I want to focus my investments truly in building liabilities. So I think it's really the personal choices that you make every day, eating at home instead of eating out every day, as an example. 
that has a huge impact by the end of the year. You will be surprised how much you end up saving, which now can be used to buy passive income generating assets. Amazing insight. Thank you for sharing that with me and the best ever listeners. And make no mistake about it, Jay has a very successful career in cybersecurity consulting. So he should be enjoying a lot of the fruits of his years that he's put in and he's making all of these sacrifices. So I love hearing that mindset. Thanks again for sharing that. Jay, you've got a syndication investment as well. Was that before you actively invested or after? That was actually already after I had started to invest actively. And the rationale for that investment was one, I've always heard investing in a syndication is where you get paid to learn. I do want to throw in a caveat there, though, when you invest in a syndication, the learning is fairly limited because as an LP, you get these quarterly distributions and quarterly reports, but you're not really involved in the day-to-day operations. But that was my initial, I would say, reason for investing in that syndication as an LP. And two, I also wanted to see that how does a big deal go down? How does the due diligence happen, agency lending, and so on? And this property also happens to be local in Cincinnati, MSA. So at least when the rehabs are going on and stabilization is going on, I can always swing by. So it's not like in Phoenix or somewhere else where I haven't even seen the property. But those were some of the aspects. And the person that I've invested with is a great guy, John Kasman. And I still have faith in John. And I wanted to invest in a deal with John. Given an option, I could have always invested that money in my own deal in an active investment, but I wanted to invest in John's deal. That was another motivation that I had. Yeah, I appreciate that as well, because when you give your money to somebody else to hold, grow, invest, Mm -hmm. you understand the mindset of your own investors. They're putting a lot of faith into you with their hard-earned money. And I think it's very important to grasp the mindset of the investors. So I think a lot of syndicators should also invest passively in other people's deals as well for that reason. Yeah. What's the hardest lesson you've learned in all of this investment? I think the hardest lesson, I would say just the importance of having reserves. And right now we are in a great market, but that importance of having good reserves is going to be highlighted whenever market correction does happen. And We all know it will happen. Nobody knows when, but when that does happen, people who are over leveraged and have less reserves, they're going to have a hard time. And I've talked to a lot of lenders who have commercial lending experience, 25 plus years. And one question that I always ask is what was your lesson learned from 2008? And some of the lessons learned that they share, they're experienced people. They have seen how the financial industry suffered and real estate industry suffered. And I take that and implement that with the way I operate. So on all of my properties, at least six months of PT reserves, CapEx reserves and repairs reserves on top of that, I keep a lot of reserves for all of my properties. Sure, I could invest that somewhere else and start doubling that money. But for me, peace of mind and a good night's sleep is way more important than doubling every dollar that I have in the pocket. So I think reserves is, uh, I would say. it's Yeah. How do you get financed? Is it just traditional lending? Depending on the location and the condition of the asset. So we are now looking at 
a 13 unit that is extremely heavily distressed. There's really nothing, not even studs in the property, just load-bearing walls at this point. So for property like that, I'm looking at private lenders like Lima One Capital. If it's stabilized property that meets certain debt-to-service coverage ratio, DSCR ratios, then I'm working with a lot of the local banks. If it's under million-dollar loan balance, if it doesn't qualify for agency. And then we are also looking at agency options where the loan balance is big enough for agency loans post-stabilization. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business, or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes stakes and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 668 Six six. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they Got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. When you present yourself and your deal to a lender, do Mm -hmm. you bring your portfolio with you? Do you have a binder or folder that showcases the deals that you've done? Yes. And then do you emphasize that you've got six months of reserve for each property? I do. And when the lenders hear that, they just love it. And I'll share a story. I'm currently working with a local lender on the 63 unit. And most of my investor or capital partners are all Bay Area folks. 
So initially, I could just sense that right off the bat, he just wanted to turn our deal down. You guys come in and you buy property here in Cincinnati, but you have no idea how to operate the property. And lenders have gotten burned by out-of-state investors overpaying for properties here in Cincinnati. So that was the initial response. But then we were like, okay, let's schedule a coffee meeting and meet up. And when we met, we talked about how we run our properties, how we run the rehabs, how much we have in reserves. And I talked about my portfolio and how I had stabilized and what were the pre and post rents. And when he heard that entire story, that was it. That sold the deal. And we just got approved on the loan. And the terms were beautiful, better than we expected. So when it comes to local banks and local lenders, it's really about that relationship. And if you can actually provide them with the confidence that you can successfully take this deal down and operate it well. Yeah, I learned that much later than I should have. But having that narrative or that story is so important. For years, I would just send my lender, hey, here's the next deal. Here's the contract. When can we close? And I had enough of a relationship with them that they would always follow through. But when I started writing a narrative, it was so much easier and faster to get that approved. The board would hear this. It's not just, here's another deal Ash is doing. It's like, oh, what a cool story. Okay, yeah, awesome. Let's go. And it also makes you more memorable to both the lender and the decision makers. So yeah, kudos for doing that, man. Jay, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think really, again, this is something that probably everyone has heard a million times, but the biggest hurdle is getting started. A lot of people get stuck in analysis paralysis. They do a lot of reading and research, but they never get started. I think even if it's a GV deal where you're doing a very small portion and you're getting equity just for bringing in the capital, or even if it's an LP as a syndication, like I just said, just jump in. I think once you jump in, it becomes a lot easier. My first deal was the hardest. I learned the most in that deal. But after that, everything became almost like an assembly line. I already had my team set up. I knew where to source the materials from. And I had some lessons learned that I was able to implement in deal number two. But once you do that first deal and jump in, it becomes a lot smoother than onwards. So I think jumping in is the biggest hurdle. So just get over it and start investing in real estate. Jay, your first two four-unit buildings, you did all by yourself. You've subsequently had partners on deals. Would you recommend people on their first deal work with a partner or do it alone? I would say it never hurts to work with partners. You also want to be careful about who you're partnering with. But if you know you have the right partner, a friend you grew up with, someone you trust, you always learn way more when you work in a partnership. And now you don't have to do it all. You can play to your strengths and your partner can play to his or her strengths. So I'm personally, and you know that well, Ash, I'm not a detail-oriented person. I'm more of a high-level big picture. But for these deals, I had to dive into the numbers. I just had to, because if I miss something, it would cost me a lot of money. But I didn't enjoy it. So when you work in a partnership, the stuff that you don't enjoy you can have your partner do it who has perhaps complementary skill sets. So I always recommend working with partners. In my mind, that's the only way to scale. Yeah, I agree as well. Jay, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Jay, what's the best ever book you recently read? Recently, I would say 
Who Not How. That's been my recent read. And I'm reading Rocket Fuel now. And they've both been phenomenal books. And both of these books have had a tremendous impact on my mindset in terms of how I think about teams and delegation and playing to each other's skill sets. Yeah. Disclosure, best ever listeners, Jay and I are friends. We both live in Cincinnati. And those are two books that changed my investing. And I recommended those to Jay. What's the biggest takeaway you had from those books? I think biggest takeaway from those books is recognizing the fact that a lot of times real estate investors have that mindset starting out, especially the do it all ones that you can do something in the best possible way and nobody else can do it better than you. And I think when I started working with people, I realized that there are many aspects of this business that others can do it way better than me. Then why am I spending time focusing on those things? especially on top of which when I don't even enjoy doing those things. So I think that was the biggest aha moment for me from both of these books. And really finding your who is not just about delegation because people talk a lot about delegation. So it's not just giving work away, but you are helping them and they are helping you. It's more of a mutual because for them, you are their who. And for me, they are my who, right? Because they're not probably good at visioning And I come in and play that role, but they're probably really good with details and execution. And that way they are my who. So it's a very much a partnership, mutually beneficial relationship. And I think that's how you got to see business partnerships. So I think that was the big aha. Great. Jay, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back is in two terms. It's really, I think giving back time is more valuable than just giving away donations. So I also donate 10% of all our profits to a charity in India that focuses on education of kids in poverty-ridden areas. But I also really try my best to have as many calls as possible with people who are starting out in real estate and share whatever I've learned to help them get started. And I truly enjoy doing that. I love having those conversations. And I'm hoping that that time that I dedicate to these folks will help them tomorrow to become good, mature real estate investors. Jay, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? The easiest way to get hold of me is via Facebook or my email. On Facebook, my first name, which my real name is Jay Deep. So that's J-A-I-D-E-E-P and last name Balekar, which is B-A-L-E-K-A-R. I'm very active on Facebook and also email, which is info, I-N-F-O at compoundingcapitalgroup.com. Jay, thank you again for sharing your story with us today. The struggles of having a full-time job and growing a very successful real estate company. So thank you again for sharing that. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. So really appreciate the opportunity. And best ever listeners, thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.